Thank you, Weedus, for playing us in. How appropriate was that? I don't think it's your fault. You're 14. Man, that that, that just that's appropriate. That is appropriate, and that is some on-the-fly programming, man. That was, that was a song that we picked like 30 seconds ago. Special thanks to our produ- producer, the uh, musical genius, uh, picking out 14 from, from Weedus. This is North yes. and Gold Podcast. I am Benji. I am in Alaska right now, and I cheer for the BYU Cougars. And with me, as always, is my trusty co-host, Jake. I'm Jake. I am in Bountiful, Utah, and I cheer for the running Utes. Well, that's basketball. The, the Utah Utes football team. And, uh, yeah, here we are, man. Is We got some some news that broke like two hours ago, and sure uh, it's, it's on, man. Going back to that, though, why is there no adverb for the football team. Now, how come only the basketball team gets the designation running? Everybody you runs. Know, I don't know. I, for some reason, growing up, I always thought football was the running youths too when I was little. Yeah. But now I realize it's the basketball team. I don't know. I, I guess maybe because it, it would actually apply better to the youths football team because we're a running heavy offense under the yeah. last 25 years. We've pumped out tons of running backs, so... Running Utes might work better for the football team, so I'll just call them the running Utes too. Why not? If and when that day comes that you have a very high-powered, pass-heavy offense, you got to get Dalai Lama on this, where he he photoshops like the passing Utes, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That. Let's do it. I will do that. I'll, I'll uh, shout out to our man Justin Dahl, the Dalai Lama. We will we will put that on the back burner as soon as we have a high-powered attack under a different head coach because the one we have now. <laughs> I can't see it happening, but one day we will. Back in the Scott Mitchell days, back in the Jim Fossil days, that's when we were the passing Utes. Yeah, that, and that seems like a dream now. There were there were he threw he had games where he was throwing for six hundred yards like that. Right. That's a, that as a Utah offense, as any offense really, but Utah offense even that's amazing. Now Urban Meyer's offenses were relatively pass heavy, right? I mean, isn't he somewhat credited with bringing the spread to the game? Yeah, he was one of the first spread uh, innovators. Him, Rich Rod in in West Virginia. Um, it, it, but the thing is, it wasn't. It, that was the that was the misnomer that oh, it was a passing attack. It was it was really fifty fifty. But it spread around. Like I remember his first game at the U in two thousand three. We beat Utah State forty to twenty, I believe. And everyone's like, oh, what. Where's this passing? Where's this spread offense? And it's like we had five touchdowns of five different receivers slash running backs. So it's spread out among the guys. You spread the field. You read option. I mean, th- that was the whole point. It wasn't. It wasn't a pass heavy attack. It was a spread attack. You spread the field out. You know, in in in, in lots of lots of offense. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily an aerial attack per se. But gotcha. I mean, with Alex Smith at the helm, it was pretty. It was freaking entertaining. I'll tell you that, man. That was fun. Yeah. Nice. Well, as Jake alluded to just a couple hours ago, the news broke that BYU is 14. They are ranked for the first time in program history in the college football playoff official rankings. To their credit, it is not easy to stay ranked this late in the season. But that being said, like everything else this year, you got to consider all things considered. There's a there's a lot of interesting thing going on going on in the total landscape here. Uh yeah, your thoughts on that? Fourteen as the uh, objective rival fan of the rival. Yes, too high, totally too objective. low, right on. Where, totally where are objective. they? Where should well, they be? For, for, first, let's take a step back and just look like thirty-five thousand feet of this. 
It's again, when we talk about the dichotomy of Utah being different than BYU, like you mentioned, this is your first time being ranked in the college football playoff poll. This is the first time we haven't been ranked in like four years in the college football playoff poll. There's only three or four teams that have been ranked more than us. So it's it feels weird, man, to, to watch the show and not see that drum and feather. It's heartbreaking, but we'll talk about Utah's woes later. My, my thoughts are, to me, it's it seems like um, the the committee put a um, a heavy premium on strength of schedule, right? Um, that's what that's what it seems like based on because what were you in the AP eighth, right? So eighth to drop in the AP, six, eighth in the coaches, six spots to the to the playoffs. It sounds like playoff poll sounds like to me they put a premium on on the schedule. What are your thoughts? Let's let's hear you. <laughs> you the you fired say up, that you say that, but they're unbiased. not they're not that far from Cincinnati. You know, whatever metric you look at, BYU, they are behind Cincinnati in strength of schedule, but not by much. Maybe five, six spots total. And I mean five, six spots, not like the difference between 10 and 16. It's like you're looking at strength of schedule of like 75 and 81, you know, and I don't know. There's all kinds of different metrics out there, but you can't. That's that's what's hard for BYU fans to accept and to digest right now is you say, okay, yes, I will accept that that is a knock on this team. But if that's the if that is the thing, be consistent. You know, you've got other teams. I mean, you could like slice and dice every team there all day, and you'll find okay, this team, Georgia. You know, they've only beat one team that has a better record than 500 or something. You know, and I'm I might be getting that wrong, but there's all kinds of metrics you can look at and say, be consistent. Like the metrics don't put BYU that far from that group to put them behind Ohio State. Or no, not sorry. They should be behind Ohio State. To put them behind Iowa State with two losses, including one to Louisiana Lafayette. Let's see, BYU, yeah, maybe they've been playing people that aren't household college football names, but they've been destroying them. And you got yeah. Iowa State, who has a loss to one of these obscure teams out there. Well, I, I called them Ohio at, State again, didn't I? Iowa State. You look at, I mean, you brought up Georgia. I mean, if you go... You, if you go with Sager, and I, that's just what I have open in front of me, so I'm going to go with their screens and schedule ratings, which is a metric that you professed your love for earlier in the season of the podcast. Undying they, they eternal jo- love. They have Georgia's strength of schedule at 12. So that's, I mean, the, the, you, you use them. So really, uh, the, the two you need to be concerned with, yes, are Cincinnati and BYU, because those are the two you're comparing. If you look at BYU's strength of schedule on Sager, it's 112, and Cincinnati's is 91. So, I mean, both by that standard are not great sh- schedules, right? I, right. I, I, watched the, uh, I watched the show, and I left before I heard them break down the difference between U- BYU and Cincinnati and the reasons. Um, from what I could see on Twitter just scrolling through while I was out running my, my errands, the, the, the guy mentioned that Cincinnati had beaten, I think, five or four teams with a winning record. Did you see the breakdown when they, when they interviewed the, the uh, commissioner? Uh, full confession, I had it on in the background, and I was busy working from home. I was getting a lot of uh, other stuff for the business done. And so uh, I saw the number 14. I listened to all the announcers be like, whoa, whoa, oh, my. You know, their shock, their outrage. And then I turned the volume up when Kalani was on, and uh, that's that's good enough for me. You can call me a casual fan if you want, uh, but that's it's just been a crazy day, and that is the depth of my analysis today. I will not call you a casual fan. I know you too well. You, we, we Marco Polo all week thoughts about football. You are not a casual fan. You're, you're a businessman, is what you are. You got priorities. All right. I, I so will catch up on some of that. There. 
It's laid out there like it is. So what I could tell, and, and obviously I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, please, our loyal fans and listeners, let us know in the tweets, um, in the comments, in the tweet section. But from what I could tell is is he was saying that, that looking at Cincinnati's schedule, they've beaten four teams with a winning record, um, and BYU hasn't. I think BYU's beaten one, right, with uh, – um, I'm just I'm just trying to look at the schedules here and see if I can see which ones. But I think Cincinnati's beaten four, BYU's beaten one, is what he said, and that's kind of what he used to mention the different the, why why the disparity in the rankings. But the question I have for you: Do yes. you think? Do you think this is all conjecture, obviously, and and uh, 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 whatever? Do you think the drama that played out over the weekend with BYU saying they'd play anyone, then then Washington saying no, they said they wouldn't play us, and then the backlash from that, whether it was warranted or not, that's a different discussion. Do you think that drama contributed to this committee ranking BYU lower? I hope not. Ah. People are petty. We just talked about it before People the podcast. People are petty. People are petty. These are 13. Is it 11 or 13? I can't remember. 13 are, I think, um, committee members, maybe 11. But they're they're humans, man, and they've got their their preconceived biases. So do you think that they contributed? There, there's a wedge, all right? We break it down on a spectrum. This is what I truly, truly, in my heart of heart, believe. Watching that whole Washington drama play out, I feel like those who are in the industry, so talking about legitimate, non-biased analysts, talking heads, people who work for ESPN or whatever sports publications are out there, people whose money depends on them knowing football, they get it. Because it doesn't take that much effort to say, okay, look at what BYU would have been agreeing to. No, that'd be stupid. You know, so you're not gonna you're gonna not gonna fault them for saying no. You're also gonna understand Tom Homo's been busting his butt all year, and for him saying no, he's maybe got some good reasons to say no. He maybe has some irons in the fire. He maybe is on the phone with San Diego State, moving them up on the phone with Cincinnati, Washington. Honestly, really, any team, any time, any place. If three piece of crap schools call you up from the Sun Belt and say, "Hey, can we play?" You're not going to say yes. You're going to say, okay, yeah, we said anytime, any team, any place, but not you because you don't do much for us. And this is not a, a knock on Washington. They're a great program year in, year out. What do they do for BYU's schedule? Like, they're not ranked. I don't think they look any more impressive than Boise State did. And so you may say no to Washington because you want Cincinnati or because you want Oregon or because you want somebody in the top 25, USC. Any of those teams, I'd say, yeah, beating them makes our resume better. Beating Washington, Washington, I think it, it would be, BYU would be expected to beat Washington. You'd probably put the odds on the game, maybe 65% the BYU wins, 35% Washington wins. That's a bad deal. So if your job is to know football and you see the drama unfold, you don't, you don't knock BYU for that because you get it or you should get it. Now, if you're the casual fan... That, that tunes in on Saturdays and you don't spend time on Mondays and on Tuesdays and on Wednesdays learning about everything that's going on about college football, you don't know about any of this and you don't care. So there is a, a section of fans that might be caught up in this drama and that is right where we live, brother. That is Twitter. That is that our is, world. Yeah. And that we can view... We can view everything, all the chatter that we hear, this echo chamber, 
you know, your side that loves Utah maybe doesn't love BYU, my side that loves BYU, some people aren't too partial on the Pac-12 in general, we can view it through our echo chambers and get way too caught up in, oh no, BYU did the wrong thing. I mean, I heard Utah fans saying, wow, the administration really isn't doing any favors for their team or their fans. I, I would be pissed if I was a BYU fan. It's like, no, come on, man. You don't know anything. You know one thing that has been leaked by one person in Washington. And then to my BYU fans that are reading into that, you might be right. They may have been politically motivated. They may have been motivated to say, let's put this out there to smear BYU because taking them down elevates those of us that are out in the West competing against them for that spot. But there's no evidence of that. And if you live your life that paranoid, what other things are you unhappy about in your life that you don't need to waste your energy being unhappy about? I say you give people the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. Could have been just an honest, you know, reporter was talking to a guy. Hey, what's Washington going to do if Washington State falls through? Oh, you know, we've thought about some other things. We actually called BYU. Uh, They weren't on board with it. But, you know, we think maybe Utah will play. It could have been something as innocent as that where a reporter leaks it out. In fact, I think the first guy to leak it out, he wasn't necessarily jumping on and saying, let's interpret all this information. He leaked it out. And then three or four guys were like, oh, look at BYU. And then, honestly, the timing of it all sucks because you've got... Yeah, go ahead, jump in. There's a few things I wrote down as you're going. Um, You said, what does playing Washington uh, do for you? Um, In my opinion, yes, this is the thing. is, is, Is complex situations as this, we need to figure out all the information before we make a decision whether this was smart or not. We know that. There's nuance and everything, right? Right. But it's still a P5 team that's been nationally relevant the last decade. They've been in the playoff. They've been Pac-12 champions uh, two of the last three or two last four years, something like that. Um, so th- it's a nationally relevant name that's out there. So playing Washington, even though this year they may not be the Washington they were the last couple of years, it's still a name that everybody knows, and it's a P5, a P5 name. And the fact of the matter is, it, whether you like this fact or not, the fact is people look at P5 versus non-P5. They do, and they put more weight on on a P5 team because that comes brought up all the time. Oh, how many P5 teams they beat? And they brought it up on the, on the playoff show tonight. How many P5 teams did, or did, uh, did, did coastal Carolina play? They brought that up. So it's just, it's a talking point. So it gives you a P5 name. It gives you a good P5 name because they've been good the last decade. Um, and then, uh, you know, Washington playing Washington better than playing nothing. Right, I mean, if 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 you're looking at resume, it's it's either we have a bye week and we don't play anybody, or we play a a, a decent uh, P5 team. One last thing I want to say, you your point about oh Washington did this to smear BYU. I think you're giving the Pac-12 too much credit because that would require some sort of game plan. And as we know, the Pac-12 freaking <laughs> sucks with leadership from the top down. There's it's a rudderless ship, and uh, there there's no there's no game plan. We're planning with the Pac-12. It's a rudderless ship, so you give them too much credit. Uh, I I probably think it's something along what you said. It's a it's a media guy, a radio guy that was in a conversation. He heard that and he wanted to break that news. You know, they the, the this the the day and age now. You tweet something out, you get a lot of notoriety. You get your name out there, whatever. They like breaking news. I think that's pro- probably the best case. What happened is, uh, maybe BYU BYU wasn't interested. Blah blah blah, and this just exploded from that point. But I don't know. I mean, if if they really did have a coordinated smear campaign, 
they need to be putting their freaking effort into getting on a direct TV or getting a freaking <laughs> schedule started before freaking Thanksgiving. So that's, I sure as heck hope that that wasn't some coordinated Pac-12 effort. Well, that's exactly how I feel about any conspiracy theory I hear. Like if you say, oh, this is a conspiracy theory like from one political party or the other political party, if you could pull it off, like when you really look into what it takes to pull off some, some of these conspiracy theories, those people deserve to be ruling the world, man. Like, like that is hard to do. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, no, I don't. And it's, yeah, it, it might be a little bit of a persecution complex uh, being manifest there. I, I don't think it was, but if, if it was, and it maybe all it took was one person saying, man, I hate BYU. And I'm frustrated that they said no. So pff, tell everybody they said no. And it could be, cause honestly, there, there is, there's history there with BYU and Washington, right? 1984. Yeah. yeah. Uh, didn't you guys want to meet up there and then didn't Washington destroy BYU's perfect season in the 96. There's always been a little bit of kind of headbutting between Washington and BYU. A so maybe bit. you're right. Maybe, maybe it was a, a reporter that's still angry from what happened 15, 20 years ago, and he, this was his axe to grind. Who knows? Who knows? It, but it could have been. Have a, cord- a coordinated schmear campaign. I, that's too much credit to this freaking lackluster leadership of a league. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I Here's... This is the other thing. So to your point, yes, they're not the same Washington. The reason, had they destroyed Oregon State mm-hmm. and, and found themselves with a number next to their name, you know, I'll take that game. And honestly, I would take it and I would be nervous because they have destroyed us two years straight. And so if they were, if they were running, like, just destroying Oregon State, I believe they beat Arizona pretty good, but it's Arizona. They murdered, you know? murdered Arizona. Yeah. yeah, yeah but that's, it, that's the thing is, the week before, Arizona should have beat USC. So I don't know if if USC's sucks, if Arizona sucks. I don't know if anybody sucks. That's the that's the problem. We're yeah. discussing teams that have played one or two games. You it's know? a very if, small if, sample if size. Everybody was pl- had played seven or eight. Then we'd have a better idea of these Pac-12 teams. Maybe maybe Washington. I mean, let's just say maybe Arizona's a decent team and they gave USC a game, and then Washington's just just so good that they killed Arizona. So who knows? Maybe three weeks from now, I'll be like, holy crap, Washington's five and zero. Oh, and they've killed everybody, and now they're ranked 14 or whatever. You know? Yeah. You never yeah. know. We never know. The, yeah. the biggest sticking point, and you know this, and I know this, is the, the, the non-guarantee of playing a game. So who knows what is actually happening in the program right now. It feels to me like they said, we're taking the week off. It's Thanksgiving. Go have Thanksgiving with your families, which, by the way, I hate. I hate that this year. I think if ever there was a time to say, no, believe in something bigger than that, like you're a part of this program, you're not going home for Thanksgiving. I I do not think anybody should be sending and then bringing back people all over the country. I think that's a terrible idea. But that's the healthcare provider in me coming out. But that's what was happening. There were players that were home Sunday night, at least according to Instagram, saying, "Wow, it's great to be in Southern California again." The team practiced Monday night with whoever was there, or Monday during the day, during the day, and then brought everybody back. They had nobody home for the holidays by by today, by Tuesday. And so something is happening. All those eyeball emojis flying all over Twitter, but no announcement yeah. yet. And so, what was that? So, so the eyeball emoji thing happened b- between our last podcast. So a lot of players were throwing out like, I, and that's one thing I I just hate about Twitter is when people throw out emojis or, or gifts <laughs> that are alluding to something, but you don't know what. So then you got to start sending DMs to people. What are they talking about? Blah blah. blah. Yeah, yeah. I hate that. Here's here's my theory. I'm not an insider. I have nobody. I have no source to uh to rely on here it seems to me like the coaches sat him down and said hey this is the deal this is what we got going on this weekend because 
this and this and this part haven't actually been approved or official, we can't say anything. We can't announce it. It's not official, but this is what it looks like is going to happen. And it could be that it's a fluid situation and it's actually not happening anymore. Or it could be that they were going to say, we're going to announce it Wednesday, but the teams have an agreement. They're practicing prepping for us. We're practicing prepping for them. It's going to happen Saturday. You know, I mean, we that's the thing. Things change every day here. Yeah. Something was absolutely going on or is going on. They might even be announcing stuff right now while we're recording. Who knows? But I, I do believe that uh, it's, it's very much related to why they said no to Washington. Because this thing, if Washington's not going to say, hey, we got a waiver from the Pac-12, we definitely will not pull out of this game, I think they would have taken it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a terrible game. I think there's better games out there. But I think they would have done it. But you can't say. And, and here's the, th- the funny thing: Spence Checkets, that has three quarters of the BYU fan base blocked on Twitter, was the he guy has half out the U fans blocked too. That guy's <laughs> soft, man. He, he is. is. He's soft, dude. He's got me blocked. He's got a bunch of people blocked. He's soft. All right. What's yeah, what's yeah. your what's your story of why you're blocked? Um, <laughs> you know, well, the reason is behind it is here's my theory anyway. So. Uh, I was talking to uh, my friend URJ Ball on Twitter, and uh, he was talking with someone else about Spence Checkets, and I just chimed in, and I didn't even say his name. I just chimed in and said, yeah, man, he's I'm tired of his condescending lectures. And that's uh-huh. it. And I've never once tweeted at him. I've yeah. never said anything to him, but he somehow found that conversation about him and went through and blocked everybody that was talking about it. That's, my only, that's the only thing I can think. <laughs> I love it. I uh, I actually blocked him. And, and Ute fans, you should embrace me as the BYU fan that you guys deserve because I blocked him when he went after Andy Phillips and said stick to stick to skiing or whatever. Phillips missed uh-huh. the missed the potentially game-winning or game-tying field goal. And he says yeah. something like that. As a guy who's supposed to be a professional, I was like, I don't need to see him anymore. So I blocked him. So I've had him blocked for forever. And then just much. recently... Just recently found out that he returned the favor, which is funny because it's something that's something petty that I do too. When I find that someone has blocked me, I'm like, I know they can still peek at my stuff. If I'm blocked, you don't deserve seeing my stuff, so I'll block back. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the pettiest thing. And I think I think the I've had like two really viral tweets in the past like three months, and one of them was photoshopping that stupid uh, the cougar onto the helmet. That thing like went crazy where there's like 500, I don't, well, maybe, I don't, there was a whole bunch of quote tweets and retweets, and I think something like that came across his radar where he's like, who's this jabroni that has me blocked, and he blocked me back. So here oh, I am. Oh, really? We're blocked. <laughs> However, the screenshots that came out of his tweets uh, were saying that, I can't, I got so distracted with that story. Anyway, it was it was uh, vindicating for BYU fans to say, no, you're not going to take that if it's not guaranteed. This isn't a sign that they're weak, that they're ducking. Like the fact that it's not guaranteed, of course, of course you say no. Yeah. And, and we've, we've talked about we talked about this off air during one of our, our weekly conversations, you and I, is business decision wise. And, and, and granted, our discussion was before the rankings came out. Business yes. decision wise at the time, it was it would appear that if BYU just won their last game against San Diego State, they were shoe in for the NY6. So do you risk that? Do you risk the 20 plus million dollar payout that you don't have to share with anybody? Or do you take the game to try and maybe get something bigger? That was our discussion. Now the, the, the narrative is a little bit different seeing where how, because you you're behind. I mean, Cincinnati seven. Now the question is, does Cincinnati take the game with BYU? You know, because mm-hmm. now where they are, they have so much more to lose than they did before. 
but they also have that opportunity to have a, a marquee win to push them into the playoffs. However, I was looking at it. it if Okay, if, if Alabama, Ohio State, and Notre Dame win out, those three are in. At that point, though, they're still behind Florida. Um, and Florida, well, I mean, Florida would play in the in the SEC championship game against Alabama. Okay, so let's say Florida beats Alabama in the championship game, and that's Alabama's only loss, right? I hate it. it. I hate it, it because dis- yes, it's they've one done it so again. many times. They've, yes, they've, they've backed in. But, dude, they are freaking Alabama, and doesn't matter. The playoff committee, they care about cachet and names. I look about the very first year of these playoffs, TCU and Baylor were far ahead of Ohio State the entire time. And TCU won out, but Ohio State jumped them that last week and got in the playoffs because they're freaking Ohio State, you know? And yeah. And so it's the whole thing. Like Alabama could say, "Well, if we hadn't, if we had just sat home during championship week and not played, we'd be undefeated." But we're being penalized for playing that extra game, you know, type of thing. It's like that's the thing. It's it's so political, bro. It's so political that it's just I hate it. I hate it because the beautiful thing about college football and the reason college football, in my mind, is more exciting week in and week out than the NBA and then the NFL and any other league is because ideally the way it should work is college football is a game where every week matters and when you reward a team when you say oh yeah alabama lost in their conference championship game you're not the best team in the country like there should never be two teams from the same conference even if the two best teams in the nation are the same conference if one of them beat the other the other one's not the champion and if we're truly trying to find the number one team there should never be two teams from the same conference, but that's not how it works. There never should be, but there is. And in fact, it happened just two years ago with Alabama yeah. and Georgia. They both got in. They played in the in the SEC title game. I can't remember who won, so don't fault me, but I think Georgia won the SEC title game. Or, or Anyway, they met again in the national championship, and that was, if you recall, Tua Tag- Tagovailoa's touchdown pass in overtime to win it. Two SEC mm-hmm. teams. You're right. I have fought this battle forever, saying if you don't win your conference – you shouldn't be able to get in. You should give it to another conference winner. What the, and here's the thing. Like you said, that's why college football is amazing because every week matters. But it's frustrating because every other sport in the world, every single team can say, if we win X, we are in the playoffs. Yeah. If we win our division, uh, we're in the playoffs. And by winning our division, we win these games. In college football, you can't say that. You can say, we if we go undefeated, we got to still hope for that team and that team to, to lose so we can let, jump them. If there was a way where it's like, I know this would be major restructuring, obviously, and it'll never happen because the when you're in power, you stay in power, right? Yeah. So it'll never happen. But if there's a way where every conference champ got a playoff bid, including every champ of every league, and then that would force BYUs and Notre Dames or whatever to get in leagues, and then every champ gets in, every team could start the season and say, our goal is to win this league. And to, if we win this league, we're in the playoffs. And how do we win this league? By winning our games. Not like winning our games and hoping teams in Tennessee lose, you know? Yeah. I hate hate that part of it. It's a strange mix of politics and sports because it's not pure sports. And it's not all politics. you got to prove it on the field when you're asked to prove it on the field. But here's the thing. I think everybody listening would agree college football is the greatest sport that exists right now. And and that's not an objective. Obviously, we're wrong, but that's how we feel, right? But when you look at college basketball – what a beautiful system. March Madness, a tournament of 64, 68 people, and 
every single team out there, like Monmouth, can be national champions. They the, the plan is laid out ahead of them. They just have to win the right games, and they're champions. Every yeah. team, every team. And I love yeah. that. Yeah, that's it. You, every, every player knows we can win our way to the title. You can't do that in college football. You can win your way to undefeated, but you still can't win your way to the title. You got to have politics play out elsewhere. Anyway, right? Okay, so so um, back to these rankings, right? Yes. So you're 14. What was your initial thought when it when uh when uh, when it got released? I I don't know. Life life is too good to get that upset. I was surprised. You know, it was one of those where they start 25 through 20, and then they do each of them down. So I wasn't expecting to see that tune. So seeing them seeing seeing that that soon. Seeing them at 14, I was a little bit surprised. I wasn't as surprised as the people on TV who were talking about it. I mean, they they were really surprised, and that kind of feels nice. But you know, I and I mentioned this out earlier. Uh, Utah fans, you've you've played one game, you know, and and it didn't go well. There's worse places to be right now, so I'm not too caught up about that. And here is what I absolutely freaking love about 14: the offensive line. Uh, coach, the offensive line coach's wife went on Twitter and she she had a little bit of profanity. She didn't think it was fair, and the players all get out there and they are pissed, you know. And they're not. They're, here's the difference: the fans are pissed right now, and they look a little bit petty. They look a little bit entitled. I don't like the look from the fan base. The players aren't whining; they are angry and they are motivated, and I love it. And I feel like no matter you know this means we're gonna get more games most likely if we don't play any more games other than San Diego State it's because everybody Tom Homo talked to says no I, I guarantee you he's out there trying to build the resume seeing the number fourteen and they're gonna get if they get the games the team will be motivated which is absolutely something essential to the identity of this BYU football team when they show up motivated they beat teams like Wisconsin and USC and Boise State. When they show up and they're not necessarily motivated or when they feel like they're a lot better than they actually are, they lose to teams like Toledo, you know? So, yeah, if I, if I was some mastermind, you, you talk about conspiracy theories, maybe we've got someone on the inside. Because if I was a mastermind and I wanted to, at this point in the season, say what's going to give BYU the best possible finish, I would slight them. I would offend them. I would tell them that they're garbage. And that's, that's kind of what's going on right now. They're going to show up motivated. Whoever's put in front of them, I like it. We're going to see, we're going to see this team's identity come out with full force. Okay, I can see that on the motivation side, but you still, at 14, now you're at the mercy of needing other teams to lose where you wouldn't be if you were higher. So if you had some on the inside, you'd obviously want them to rank you higher because, you, I mean, you look at like, okay, I think one of the, one of the, one of the biggest head-scratchers here is the Georgia ranking. Georgia's ninth, right? Um, and I'm just going to pull up their schedule because I don't think they really have an opportunity to lose again. Because mm-hmm. they're not going to... That's, that's of course, if Florida wins out. Because if Florida wins out, they'll go to the SEC title game. Georgia won't. So if Florida wins out in Georgia, they've got three games left. South Carolina, who sucks. Vanderbilt, who sucks. And Missouri, who's... Yeah, that's going to be rescheduled. Georgia's probably not losing again. So they're, they're nine... They're, they're going to win out, and so now you've got to somehow hop them, too. Um, so, dude, that's the thing is the SEC's got, like, five teams that have a chance to get in this. You got Bama, you got Florida, you got Georgia, you got Texas A&M, and am I missing somebody? Is there, is there someone else? I think that's it, actually, those four. I don't have it up right now, but I believe you. Yeah. 
So like, there's now the part that sucks is sucks and it's fun. I remember last year when we were watching other teams because you you're all of a sudden you're huge fans of whoever the team in front of you is playing. You know, so like last year it was Utah and Baylor and Oklahoma were battling down the stretch for the last playoff spot, and I remember watching Baylor versus freaking. I think TCU, and I was the biggest TCU fan ever. Like, I was, like, intense like I am in Utah games because you needed them to lose, right? And yeah. uh, it's just fun, man. That part's fun is, like, seeing the guys you're going against, scoreboard watching, watching other games. It's, uh, I love this sport, man, and I wish my team was playing this year. We were talking a little bit through the week off air about this, and this is something I feel like both fan bases need to hear. And, and that if you make that me being condescending, so be it. When Utah was nationally, you know, in the top 10 in the playoff football rankings and people were sliding the Pac-12's strength of schedule and how weak that conference was and all that stuff, BYU fans loved nothing more than to see fans of other teams way out in the rest of the country saying that stuff and they'd be like, see, this isn't me as a BYU fan. See, Baylor doesn't like Utah and they have no reason to not like Utah. So look, we're right. You, you've got the exact same thing going on right now. Utah fans are absolutely loving that yeah. the entire country hates BYU right now. No, the entire country doesn't hate BYU right now. You know who hates BYU? Iowa State, Indiana, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Oregon, Texas, Florida. You know, people all around them that are Washington. jockeying for position. Washington, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, and so, no, that isn't justification that you're right in hating BYU. We love that, don't we? Don't we love to confirm oh, these deep, deep, deeply held beliefs? Yeah, absolutely. See, look, we were right all along. These are the worst fans. The, exactly. Our rivals, the fans, are the worst. And, dude, you're right. It, it, it's, it comes down to completely who, how does it help your own team? So Washington hates BYU right now because of what happened over the weekend. And like you said, Indiana doesn't like BYU because they're jockeying for a position too. So all of a sudden, I remember last year, dude, I remember getting these, these like you said, these fights with Baylor and Oklahoma fans, like the last few weeks of the season. And I do almost word for word, like you said, there's BYU fans like, see, Oklahoma fans are finally figuring out what we know about Utah. They're the, <laughs> I remember they're the worst. That. They yeah. word it, it just like that. Yeah. And so it's just, it's funny, man. I, I, I just wish, I wish, we talked about this before the show started. I wish everyone would realize in this rivalry that it's football and it's sports, and it's fun, and it's okay to make fun of your rival because that's what rivals do. It doesn't equal some higher thing like, oh, look at look at Utah fans. They're the drunk idiots. This means my religion's true and yours isn't. You know, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It's sports, right? Like, I hate that team because they compete against me, and they're my rival, and it's fun to do that. I was on my mission, in, I've said this before, in Columbus, Ohio, in Ohio State, Michigan. They've got it figured out. They, uh, granted, they they're big boys and they can they you know they win and they're in. But they, they when when the other team screws up, they their fans make fun of them and it doesn't mean some higher meaning to it. It's just they're making fun of them because the sport. You know, it's, it's just what that's we what do. It should be. Hey, that brings me to a mailbag question. This comes from Alaskutan, who wrote in asking. <laughs> he says. Okay, so we know we like our teams because we like our teams. We were we were raised liking our teams. We love the colors. When we stare at that logo, it stirs our very souls. You know, we just like our teams, and that's never going to change. What is it about your, the football team that you each cheer for that you think you would like, even if it were a different team that you had no 
ties to? If it was someone way out in the middle of nowhere, you know, no pros, no cons. What do you? What's the identity of that that you like and you would support no matter what? Identity of, of my team. Yeah. So say that I like. If, if you can disassociate something other than just saying, well, it's because they're Utah, what facet of their identity or, or of, of what you consider to be Utah football, what do you like that you would like no matter who they were, that you would like in another I, team? I like that Utah football is tough, hard-nosed football, no BS, that comes from Kyle Whittingham. He, I mean, if you're suiting up and you're ready to play, you're playing. There's no excuses. Hard-nosed, disciplined, tough football. I like that about Utah. And, you know, another team that kind of resembles that in their style of play is Iowa in the Big Ten. Um, and, you know, they, they're they the same type of thing. They're hard-nosed. They're tough football players. That's what I like about Utah. I, I have a good friend who's on Twitter who I make fun of a lot, DGod23. He is all about show and offense. He would take Mike Leach, and he would take losing a game 69-67. to 67. And... <laughs> I don't like that, man. I, I like enough offense, but I love having a tough freaking defense. I love when it's third and 12 and everyone's on their feet in rice cycles and you know they're not getting a first down and the defense brings the house and you got a sack. I love that. I would much rather win a 24-17 game than 55-50. It's just something about nobody stopping the other person anytime. While long passes are fun and blah, 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 there's something about just a good defense uh, that, that I like. So I like that. That's what I like about Utah football is just a tough, defensive-minded type of players. What about yeah. you? Yeah, I, I love that. That was a great answer. Uh, being when I was a child, Lawrence Taylor, New York Giants, was my favorite player to watch. You know, because, yeah, you're right. Third and 12 and you get a sack, that that just, again, that stirs your soul. There's <laughs> Something happens deep inside where you're like, yes. So, yeah, I, I like that. Um I like what Kalani has done with this program, and that's not a slight to Bronco. I loved, uh, I saw a lot of the same things in Bronco that you actually just mentioned. Like Bronco was all about grit. You know, he took the walk on, and if the walk on worked his way to that spot, all the better. You know, he liked that more than the flash and the style and the the people who were highly recruited. And so, um, I did like that about Bronco. What I love about Kalani is. He embraces the culture in the right way, and what I mean by that is that the shirts that say love one another, and they're debuted at a time when political turmoil is at an all-time high, and this program shows up on national TV with a message right there, love one another, straight from the Bible. And that's okay. We're a religious school. We can have Bible verses on our shirts, and we should have Bible verses on our shirts. I love that. And then um, in, (laughs) this was the coolest thing ever, on the college football playoff rankings show, they had him on because they wanted to talk to him about his reaction. And he ended with give thanks, which is the hashtag right now. The church has been promoting saying we should be promoting thankfulness. Yes, it's a hard year, but let's focus on the good things that we have. And he did it. He said, give thanks. And then the last thing that kind of ties into all that all year, no matter who the opponent is, BYU's players, they've been tackling people and they've been help, helping them up. And that doesn't mean there hasn't been any chirpiness or any extracurricular activities. You know, people are talking. People are talking to each other after the plays. It's football. That's why they do. But every opportunity they've had, I've seen them extend the hand and help the opponent up every time. And I absolutely love that. I embrace it. Not every program has to have that. It's football. And you can have programs out there who, like, spit on each other and stuff like that and try and just disrespect each other at every turn. 
I don't like cheering for those programs, though. I, at the core of my beliefs is nice guys will win. You know, people say nice guys finish last, but the race doesn't end when you think the race ends. Nice guys will win. You know, when, when you help your opponent up, I, don't, I just, I love that. And I think if I were to just see that, if I were watching a random East Coast, two teams play and I've got no dog in the fight, and one team's helping, the, helping everyone else up after every play, I'm going to cheer for that team from then on. You know, or at least that coach, that program, I'd follow wherever he goes. I love that culture in this sport, on this earth, in the year 2020. I love it. Cool. That's a good question. Thanks to our Linger, our listener, Laskiton, for sending that in. Hey, uh, (laughs) friend of the program. Yeah, starting off on a tangent here, but you brought a Bronco man at all. Did you see that play with Virginia (laughs) last week? Dude, that was insane. That was insane. For those that don't know, Virginia was obliterating Abilene Christian. And there was like 40 seconds or 50 seconds left or something like that. They had the ball in their own five or something. And and they called in a play in their own end zone where it was like a double pass from the halfback to the to the to the, the wide receiver. And it was the most out of left field play. I was like, what in the heck? And they fumbled it and Abilene Christian picked it up and uh, scored. And it was like, why in the crap are they doing that? And, it was a safety. They got a safety on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was safety, a double pass safety. safety, which gave them the ball back. Yeah, and so it turns out afterwards that Robert and I was reading the wrong line on the play card. He, he called in play whatever, 35, which should have been kneel the ball, but it meant to call in play 34 or, or whatever the case was. And that, be, that begs the question, that's like one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Like, he's lucky it happened then. What if it was like a, a five-point game in the fourth quarter, they got 30 seconds left there on the 30, and he accidentally calls in kneel down versus you know, whatever play? Why, why are those plays so close together? Double pass yes. or kneel down? Yes. You've got to figure that out. That's what I want to know. Kneel down should be right next to yeah. halfback under center, next to quarterback sneak. You know, they should yeah. be things that are very much like kneel down, but not exactly kneel down. Yeah. That's you need one to be looking on a whole things. other arm for a double pass. You know, you can't exactly. have them right by each other. <laughs> That's one of the most bizarre mistakes I've ever seen from a freaking high-level coach, man. I thought that was hilarious. Here's what I wonder. I wonder how many times that happens and we never hear about it. The coach then just says, oh, crap, that was 35, not 34. But rather than saying yeah. that's not what I meant, he just says, ah, I saw something I thought would work. I was wrong, whatever. You know, I, I bet it happens way yeah. more than we realize. Oh, yeah. And it, uh, that's why I, 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 I would think that, like, normally play 34 is like a, a 10-yard out and play 35 is like a, an out and go, where it's like, the, you, right. know, you know, where it's like something similar where if they call it, Call the play and like, oh shoot, I made a mistake. But not a double halfback pass in your end zone or a kneel down. That was the That's weirdest the thing. Best. Oh, that is. Here's the thing: we BYU fans saw that happen and thought, you can't help but wonder, is that what happened with Taysom Hill with his number one injury? You know, it was it was that. at a time he should have been taking a knee, and he he tried to gain yardage. It was quarterback keeper, and you think, <laughs> does is he? He's done this in the past, maybe. I don't know. Wasn't that? I thought that was actually under Doman, though. Wasn't that under Doman? Oh, I don't know. On his very, it, it could have been. I yeah, thought it was I'd, under have, Doman I'd have to go back and look at the different uh, the timeline there. You could be right. I don't know because my memory tells me that Doman was interviewed on the radio and and said gave an explanation for it, but I don't know. I, I think, think you're mistaken. right. I think you're right. I think that All first right, well, injury any, was. 
Anything else you want to discuss about playoffs before we talk a little bit about the Utes weekend? Yeah, let's flip over the Utes. I, I think I'm excited to stay tuned. I know the the sad thing about a podcast that comes out once a week is it might be irrelevant soon. I hope that BYU has something announced within a day or two, and uh, and I'm excited about whatever they have announced. But who knows? Who knows what will happen? But yeah, let's yeah. flip it over the Utes. I watched that game. You watched that game, did? Uh, Share your thoughts. 2020 continues to just be a kick in the junk, man. Um, I mean, first of all, we know about we don't we know all the situation. We started in freaking middle of November when everyone else has been playing for nine weeks. Anyway, and then our first game is canceled the day before. Our second game is canceled the day before, and then our third game is USC, who's loaded with talent after they've played two games. Um, and now I just found out about an hour ago for Twitter started, our fourth game's been canceled. So three yes. of our first four games canceled. Everyone else has played seven or eight and talking about the playoffs. We've played one freaking game, and it was the first game after not practicing for two weeks because of COVID. And, oh, by the way, it's against USC, who's talented, and they've had two more games. So what I was telling you earlier is any team, dude, I mean, they're set up to fail. I wonder, honestly, even if you took the 2019 Utah team who won 11 regular season games and was ranked as high as number five, if they didn't practice all fall and then all of a sudden their first two games are canceled and then uh, their third games against USC, they would probably have a ton of mistakes too, you know? I mean, even with Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley. And so it was just set up to fail right from the start. And then to make it even freaking worse, our starting quarterback – has a total of six passes before he has a shoulder or labrum tear and is out for the season, which sucks for everything. Sucks for the Utes, but sucks for him, man. He 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 redshirted last year because he didn't get a waiver, and so he didn't play last year. Um, and then you know he was hoping to hoping to to play last year, but didn't. This year he works hard. He beats out a senior quarterback uh, who transferred from South Carolina to to finally get his shot, and in the first. Right, the the third or the fourth drive of the game, he freaking tears his labrum. It's just bad luck after bad luck, man. I feel bad for the kid. And then, I mean, and then also we didn't have Covey, who was recovering from um, uh, a hamstring, which the reason his hamstring was injured was because he had muscle tightness from his COVID. And then the offensive line was patchwork. It was just a disaster. Anyway, so we 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 show up. USC beats us by two scores, but. It looked. The funny thing is, after all this talk in the offseason about our offense is going to carry the defense, you know, mm-hmm. the quarterback goes out, backup comes in, does not look good, and it looked like a regular Utah team, man. The defense looked decent. Not as good as last year, obviously, but with a bunch of freshmen, they, they looked pretty good. They got several stops, and the offense looked terrible. Um, and so hopefully this week we have, you know, with our backup quarterback, Bentley, he has more time to prepare. They'll look a little more... Uh, he'll look a little better and a little more together, but I don't know. Basically, what I'm saying is this year sucks, and it it doesn't count as a season for us. Other teams that have played seven, eight, nine games, yeah, man, it's a regu- it's a season. Whether doesn't matter who the teams are, it it's a good go for it season. But dude, three of our four games have been canceled. We played one game. There's there's no way there's anything any way other to look at this other than ex- exhibition season. And even this fourth gate, this this fourth week, which will be our second game. I mean, we we're preparing for three teams. It's like, oh, you'll either play Arizona State or Washington or maybe Colorado. Dude, how are we supposed to learn anything about this team? They can't even prepare for a team. You know who they're preparing for? It's just, it's a joke. It goes back to what I said. Every rep matters because we want them to make mistakes. 
And this last week, there were a lot of mistakes that were made. But I'm going to focus on a couple guys that look good, okay? On offense, um, a freshman running back from Texas, Ty Jordan. He only had six or seven carries, but he made the most of his carries. He looked fast. He looked explosive. He had a couple big plays, a couple of 15, 20-yard uh, gains, and he just looked all the hype that Kyle Whittingham was talking about. So I'm super excited about him. On defense, we talked about our much-heralded Clark Phillips. And, dude, for your first game as a true freshman, first game of the season, you're going against USC's stable of NFL receivers. I mean, literally, all four of their receivers that played are going to be in the NFL. Six-foot-four dudes that are athletes. And he got picked on a couple times. I'm not going to lie. There were a couple times where he had a – you know, he, he uh, didn't cover the route as, as, as well as he could have, and they had a touchdown. But he did also show flashes. He led uh, the secondary in tackles. I think he had nine tackles, and he had like six open field good tackles where guys were, there was, you know, passes out in the flat or short screen plays, and he one-on-one manned up. And, and he so he showed a lot of promise, and he's going to be a stud. You can tell he's got talent. You can tell he's going to be a stud. But for his first game, he looked, he gave me enough hope to be excited for the future for him. And there were some other guys that looked good, a couple of freshmen that looked good. So like I said, man, this whole season, and I air quote that, is all about getting guys reps and getting guys playing time as much as you can because none of these games count. I mean, they count in the records, but they don't really count, man. We're not we're not eligible for a, a South title. We're not eligible probably for a bowl game. And we're only going to end up playing maybe four or five games. Five at best at this point, probably four. And half of them, we won't even know who are playing until a couple days before. So it's a stupid piece of crap year. But get these young guys reps. The sad part is I was hoping to give our quarterback four or five games to get his feet wet and and learn so next year we can hit the ground running. And I don't even know now if he'll be back for next year. So who knows? A crazy year. My first impression watching Utah is something that you will you will feel validated about. Now, given this is me watching Utah versus USC immediately after watching the the game that I had watched in its entirety immediately before that was North Alabama, and I can say that Utah passes the eye test as being better than North Alabama. Oh wow, that's amazing! Thank you. <laughs> Which, but I mean it. <laughs> Watching that defense, I, my I, my initial impression, but when it was 0-0, the whole game's ahead of us. Let's see what happens. I thought, man, Utah looks big. They look fast. They hit hard. You know, they the raw talent is there. But then as the game unfolds, by the time we're halfway through the first quarter, halfway through the second quarter, they're not on the same page. They're not communicating. They're not coordinated. And that's the identity of Utah's teams in the past is, yes, they have the raw talent, but they are on top of things as a unit. They've got every yeah. route where the running back could be going. They've got it covered. Their their defense are dropping back. Like they just they kind of move as one, almost like a hive mind, right? And that's what you want in a defense. This Utah defense didn't do that. It had individuals that doing different things at different times, and so a lot of sloppy mistakes. And that honestly yeah. is how I would describe USC too. USC is not as good, in my opinion, as they were last year. And, and there's reasons for that that you've just gone over. They've had the same protocols of, of not practicing and not doing that. Under normal circumstances, maybe they are better than last year, but they didn't look great. They looked sloppy. Utah looked sloppy. It, it wasn't really an enjoyable game if you're not really invested, well, or if you're invested as a Utah fan. Yeah. Uh, but that's no reason for doom and gloom. I do think they have great players that someday will make a great Utah team. It's not this year, though. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. The hallmark, like you said, of Utah. Utah's defense is, is complicated. You know, you've got to pick up schemes. You've got to pick up 
you got you got to anticipate where your teammate's going to be so you can cover whatever. Um, and that's why, like, I it, it's also even more stark when you compare it to last year's defense, which is the best Utah defense we've ever had. I mean, we literally finished the season as the number two defense in the country behind Ohio State, and it was like barely, barely just one metric that would have, or it was like yards per whatever, where we were right behind them, where we could have finished as the number one defense in the country. So last year's defense was lights out, and these guys are all young, dude. I mean, I can't, they're true fresh, just tr- true freshman alone. Van Fillinger, Xavier Carlton, um, Nate Ritchie, Clark Phillips, Sione Fotu. That is five true freshmen that started on the defense. Well, not started because Carlton didn't start. But, but got major, major minutes on the defense. Five true freshmen that were playing high school last year. They're playing their very first game. Let's not forget, this isn't Utah versus USC five games into the season. This is Utah's first freaking game. And so typically, I mentioned on Twitter, we open up with uh, North Dakota or a Northern Illinois or something, right? And so you take that team on last week and put them against northern illinois we probably win the game we get that experience we figure out things but dude we we're we're into november our first games against usc and that's just that's what happened that's why after the loss i wasn't bummed at all and i think there's two reasons one because i lost all my joy in the pac-12 title game they ripped my heart out and it's been hard to recover two i also had my heart ripped out when they canceled this the game before arizona and i realized we may not play at all you know, those are two major, like, heart-destroying moments. So at that point, I was like, I don't care. I just want to play. I don't care what happens. And so, like, I had a different perspective in this game. I didn't care whether we won. I would obviously want to, but I didn't. it didn't bother me because I was just happy these guys were out there, for crap's sake, 10 weeks into the freaking season. I, there's a couple of reasons this was never going to be Utah's year, even under normal circumstances. Don't hate me for that, but you got to just, just look at these couple of facts. You just mentioned all the the brand new guys on the defense. You look at how many defensive studs are not only in the NFL, but doing really well in the NFL right now. Julian Blackman, uh, you mentioned uh, Jalen Johnson. Like You guys have got great NFL players that were your defense last year. So you can't, there, there has to be a drop off. You can't have that year in, year out. And I know Utah fans like to say you don't rebuild, you just reload, and there's never, that's, that's not, nobody can do that. It, maybe Ohio State does that, maybe Alabama does that. The rest of us rebuild. And that's just the defensive side. When you look at the offensive side, the metrics of offensive contributions and who's returning, Utah is 130 out of 130 teams. They have the least returning offensive contributors of anybody. Oh, I didn't realize it was that it was that stark. Yeah. I mean, did, yeah, they, 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 so they well, obviously we lost our quarterback and our running back, right? Our star right. quarterback and our star running back, but we brought back Covey and all of our receivers. I thought I don't know. I thought it'd be higher than that. That's crazy. Well, but if you just break down the percentage of how many yards, how many points, how many, you know, what do they contribute or what were they? Everybody else in the country has at least a little bit more than what Utah has. And so gotcha. that right there, you need the experience. You know, you need people to kind of warm up. And so, yeah, you take two or three warm up games and then throw them into the grind of the Pac 12. There was going to be multiple losses. You know, I just. And, and yeah, maybe they're right there with Arizona State behind USC and, and still in the top th- the top half of the South Division. But, you know, it's not going to be anything like it was last year. And that's, no, I, yeah. that's yeah. Yeah, but, no, I, I certainly understand. Yeah. I certainly get hey, that. But yeah, 
Go ahead. What do you think about uh, – how do you feel about Bentley now? Now that you've seen not his best game, but now that you've seen him in action, are you uh, are you ready to jump on or off the bandwagon? I mean, he's your guy. He has to be your guy. How do you feel about that? I, uh, I'm i two feet off that bandwagon, man. Okay. Because – and here's the thing. I got to give him – we go back to the fact that it's his, his first game too. He wasn't planning on playing, and all of a sudden he's thrown into it. Um, but there were things that just like, I couldn't believe, like, this is a, like, there were, there were so many passes that were just so poorly thrown, so mm-hmm. underthrown, no, no zip on the ball at all. Some of his long balls were like, like when you're playing flies up, you're like, just chuck it up there. There was, it was like, what is this guy doing? He's, he's a three year starter in the SEC. Is this what he's been doing for three years? So here's the thing. I, I'm sure he will be better this week than he was last week because mm-hmm. the game plan around his strengths. Um, he takes the, all the reps leading up to the game, knowing he's going to be the starter. They they can call plays that suit his his strengths. So I I'm sure he'll be better. But I was I was without being man I don't mean rude about it, but I was severely underimpressed, man. Like there I mean there was one play one play where it was like in the fourth quarter we're down thirteen. We have the ball. There's like nine minutes left. I was like, okay, if we score a touchdown here, it's a six-point game. You know, we got a little momentum. We could stop and get the ball back. Like, the game's not over, right? And it mm-hmm. was fourth and like four. Um, and we're like inside the red zone or, or close to it. And there was like a little pressure, which, by the way, the offensive line, major disappointment. But we can talk about that in a minute. But there's a little bit of pressure. And he got the ball out of his hands, to throwing towards, I think, Keith or, or Fotheringham. I can't remember. And it was like freaking eight yards short. It was like, I was like, dude, did that slip out of his hands or did he not have an arm? You know, like it was just, it was like eye opening, like not like, oh, he misread that and he overthrew it or threw it behind a little bit. It was like, I can throw better than that. So I was, I was, I was a little surprised at that. So I don't know. Do, do I have hopes that he can just light the world on fire? I don't have those hopes anymore. Whereas before I thought he could, I was like, oh man, if he, if, if Rising gets injured and he comes in, we got a great backup. I don't have those hopes anymore. I do have hopes, though, that, that he can play well enough to win because more often than not, in a Kyle Whittingham team, the way they win is good defense, ball control offense, and the quarterback doesn't make mistakes. I mean, that was the whole Travis Wilson era, right? Um, and, and he won a ton of games as a starter. He won a ton of games. We were ranked almost every year under him. So it's basically the same old Utah um Offense, so I think we can win, but I'm not expecting Bentley to come out and and, and dude. And that's the thing is, is last year we had the 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 All Pac-12 first team quarterback Tyler Huntley. I was gonna say best quarterback, but I still think Justin Herbert's proving that he was the best last year based on what he's doing in the NFL. But yes. Huntley had the best season last year in the Pac-12, the best quarterback season. So to go from that, it was just a stark kind of s- s- splash of cold water in the face to see, dude, what's this guy doing? This is these are poor throws, man. I don't know. I'm it makes you appreciate here. what a lot of people didn't see in Huntley. Like we all know about his legs and his arm, but his head Huntley was, he is a smart quarterback and he continue. <laughs> I'm sure he will continue to be a smart quarterback. You know, he's going to make the rosters. Maybe, maybe not start without someone being injured ahead of him, but, but he was smart. He made he, smart he, decisions. He was. And, and that's the thing is he was like, I look at last year's Washington game, which was, Probably our biggest win of the season. They weren't the best team he played, but they they were still an eight-win solid team at Washington. And at the time, 
Washington, I think, was like either ranked or, or very close to it. And we needed this road win. And he came up to that game and he played balls to the wall. And in the fourth quarter, he had huge third down conversion after huge third down conversion where he threw the guys open. So, yeah, he was he was awesome. I think it's so frustrating to me. And I do this all the time. I shouldn't. But, dude, we blew his redshirt year for like a handful of mop-up duty plays. Um, mm. He should have been back this year, man. He he redshirt. He played his freshman year backing up Troy Williams, um, and and he he didn't play a ton. Like he came in here and there, spot duty. Like they should have red redshirted him, and he'd be a senior this year. And then it'd be a whole different story because we'd have the all first Pac-12 quarter, the first team Pac-12 quarterback back, right? Um, but dude, if the rules were in then that are now, where you can play up to four games then we'd probably have him back now. But anyway, it is what it is. He, you, he's gone. you never know, too. He maybe would have bolted anyway. And then with this being the throwaway year, at some point you say, I'm an old man, right? Like Stephen A. Smith going off for 20 minutes about how old Taysom Hill is getting his first NFL start. He was He's 30, starting his first NFL game. Not everybody can do that, you know? And so if you have a redshirt year, and then you have a COVID year, and then your other year, at some point people say, eh, I'm, I'm done with college. I'm, I think I can earn money playing football now. So he yeah. maybe doesn't come back, you know? You never know. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not, but I would sure I, like him too. <laughs> I take no pleasure in laughing at utah fans when they're in pain and but other people do and somebody pointed out i think it was mid mid first quarter uh or some early on in the game they said oh wow look uh bentley has two interceptions just like zach wilson or something like that where they both had two interceptions on the year uh and zach wilson he's had nine games to do it and uh yeah bentley got his two and then he i think he even picked up a third interception by the end of the game didn't he yeah, he had a yeah, he had some bad. Ugh, I laughed about it. I laughed at it. Game. I didn't put it out there on Twitter, but I laughed at it. I wrote it down and laughed at it later when I was home, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But I went. I got looking. I was like, well, is this just a fluke or is this him? His SEC stats aren't great when you look at the touchdown to interception ratio. So I don't he did know a lot if of that's. Picks, yeah. I don't know if that's fixable. I, I think you're right. You game plan around it. But you don't depend on it. He's gonna that no. that costs you games. Well, that was kind of the thing coming in is he was just kind of a slinger, man, a gunslinger. I mean, he threw for almost eight thousand yards in in two and a half years of starting, right? Like yeah. he would just go sling it. But he also had a ton of interceptions, and we know Kyle Whittingham hates more than anything turnovers. Like his number one mantra is protect the football, almost to the point where a few years ago it became almost kind of like a joke. Like the offensive coordinator is afraid to make a call because he's afraid to turn it over, which I don't think is true at all. But, like, he, he really does emphasize holding on to the ball. So that's why I think we've got a lot of good running backs. I mean, they, 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 they're all four of them that got touches showed flashes. So I think we game plan this week where it's it's the same old Utah offense. It's it's ball control, ground, grind it out, and then safe throws from the quarterback. That's what I think. And if we can do that and play stout defense, if we have a freaking game, I don't even know if we're going to have a game or not. If we can do that. Well, then... Are there an odd number of teams? You've got Washington, Colorado, and Utah all looking for opponents, right? Mm, At this point well, in the week? No. Washington and Utah only. Colorado's still kind of – they're scheduled to play USC. And they're, they're – Oh, okay. Because USC announced that they had a COVID guy test – a player test positive for COVID today. And so now they're all under the contract contract contact tracing – mode blah 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 so that's kind of who knows what's going to happen there so there could be colorado could look look for game 
But I, right before the show started, I was cruising through Twitter, and I think someone had said, "Hey, I think it's I, I think Bartold said Utah Washington's going to happen. Look for an announcement shortly." So okay, I don't know if it's been it could have it could have been announced already. You know, while we're recording, that's the beauty it, of this podcast. With as much as things change in 2020, by the time we're done recording, Utah could have a game against Washington, and BYU <laughs> could be playing um, Clemson. All right, I'm Larry Scott, and I get I get in front of a microphone tomorrow, and I announce that when you consider the way that this experiment has gone, we're scrapping effective immediately the whole season. No more games. Everybody go home. Focus on next year. Take it or leave it. Do you like that? Do you welcome it or do you hate it? Dude, I hate it. I hate it. I want, I've said before, I want as many reps for these guys as possible. Last week, Clark Phillips had some flashes. He had some plays where he got burned. I want more of that because I don't want that next year, man. I want yeah. Clark Phillips to know when a slot receiver lines up two yards off the tight end what it means he's supposed to do. You know, I want, and you only learn stuff like that by playing games. So I want as many games as we can. But it would not surprise me in the least if the Pac-12 canceled this season. Here's what I worry about, because I saw Greg Rubel talking about this as it affects BYU and their basketball season. Effective at some point in time in the near future, uh, there's a curfew in the state of California for counties that are in the purple zone, whatever, however they define that, where everybody has to be home by 10 p.m. And there is no exceptions for sports. And so that's affecting their scheduling. They're going to be beginning games earlier and earlier. So if you don't make an exception for sports... I think it's not that big of a jump to say, okay, we're, we're doing only noon kickoffs or whatever, or only this, to saying, you know what? People are dying. Football's not worth it. Everybody go home. Stay home. Play well, Madden. Not to, not to get political, but what does a curfew do? Is it, does the virus stop spreading at 10 p.m. or what? I mean... Well, yes and no. I mean, the virus is just effective at any point in time. People drink alcohol and dance with strangers after 10 p.m. Okay. I mean, there's there's reason behind it, yeah, and people like to mock that. But but when you when you're not so just getting looking... them, getting them home, then is kind of the po- the point. Then instead yeah. of letting them, okay, so where, yeah, I understand. Where is the spread but happening, like, and when is the spread happening? But how for sports though? How does I mean? I guess if you have a curfew, everyone's <laughs> got to get home. But you know, all of a sudden, oh, fourth quarter, we got to speed the clock up. So <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, if you're playing, just freaking that play. would suck. Gosh. And that's the thing too. Is is yeah. There's no perfect solution. There's no. I mean, it just it sucks for everybody involved. But if you make an exception for sports, suddenly every bar is going to invite two teams to show up and like play ping pong on their stage or whatever. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Oh uh, well. Okay. All right. So I mean, back. I guess we'll just kind of wrap this up. But before we do, back to your your BYU, BYU scheduling conundrum. You talked about maybe Tom Homo has some irons in the fire. It's looking like at this point, if you were to play Cincinnati, which would be something you would welcome. You said that, right? Absolutely. Especially, Absolutely. Especially now. Especially now. Yeah. Yeah. So if that's if that's going to happen, it would have to happen December fifth, right? Because that's their open date, right? Maybe. But you've that, got, that's most likely, but but we don't that, know anything. But maybe. Okay. So. That would mean you have to move uh, San Diego State up to this week or cancel it. I guess you cancel. I believe it. San Diego State is December twelfth. I think the the uh, advantage in moving them up to this weekend is there's far more flexibility when other conferences have open dates or need gotcha. uh, fill an opponent. And that's that's what I think you would hope for if you're Tom Homo is let's look at a P5 league that doesn't have these restrictions. And I don't know what the other conferences rules are. 
But if if you can get somebody who knows one week ahead of time that their opponent isn't going to make it, and that happens. I think Florida State is doing that right now, right? They know well in advance, look, we're not going to be up to strength. We're pulling out of the game. If you know a week ahead of time that you need an opponent and you'll agree with Tom Homo and commit to it, I think the advantage is if we move San Diego State to this weekend, then we have all kinds of availability. But just gotcha. just make it fair. And, and here's the thing. Okay. I wouldn't mind if... Uh, you know, if, if BYU, even though I hate that games can be canceled on a Thursday, if you throw BYU in the mix and you say we guarantee them a game, but we don't know who it is, even if you say, well, if it's it's an odd number, then you're out. Yeah, I think BYU takes that. Because, yeah, it sucks with two days of prep, but if they have two days of prep for you, yeah, sure, why not? If, if the opponent's yeah. the right opponent, if they move the needle, do it. So looking at Cincinnati's schedule, it would have to be December 5th for that game because – they, they have a game this weekend against Temple, a game on the 12th against Tulsa, and then the uh, American Championship game the 19th. So their only yeah. open date is December 5th. So if you're going to play Cincinnati, it's got to be December 5th. Um, which uh, un- means, unless unless one of those others falls through. Yeah, you know, that, But yeah, yeah, as it stands right now, yes. Yes. And then you're right, you uh, San Diego State is December 12th. So I see, okay, so the wisdom in moving San Diego up this weekend is it gives you the 5th, the 12th, and the 19th, three open dates to schedule yeah. somebody and have, okay that makes sense okay gotcha gotcha well what a year what 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 are the what are the odds that uh you play cincinnati do you think i don't know i don't know i i talked about this this is why i like it for both teams i think fans of cincinnati have been somewhat vocal in saying no you know because they they maybe don't necessarily need it if their goal is just a new year's six bowl and not the playoff here's the thing though cincinnati has not had a chance at the college football playoff going back the past five years, however long the playoff's been here. They haven't had a shot at it, and they will not. Next year, there's no coronavirus. Next year, all the P5 leagues are playing all their games. As a G5 team, your best shot at being in the top four and cracking that is right now. So I would say you do everything that you can, including schedule BYU, who might be a loss, with the hopes of if we get one more really impressive resume-boosting shot in there, we do it. So I like it for them, even if they don't like it for themselves. I like it for BYU for obvious reasons now that we see that they're number 14. And I pointed this out before, and and you can debate with me if this counts as a New Year's Six or not. BYU's been to the Fiesta Bowl way back in the 70s. They've been to the Cotton Bowl in the 90s. Doing something like that while rewarding and fun and awesome and something we'll talk about for years and years and years it's not something we've never done before. You know, the, the Fiesta Bowl, we've, we've been there. Uh, same with the, the Cotton Bowl. There's, there's New Year's Six Bowls that we can say, yeah, we've already done that. We've never been to the college football playoff. And like Cincinnati, I don't think we have a decent shot at that anytime soon. Unless the Big 12 comes calling, it, it, we've got a really slim chance on a normal year. So, yes, you take it. You take everything they throw at you. Yeah, if I'm in your shoes the same way, dude, you, you double down on this year. There's no point. To hold it back no point unless unless you're more concerned with it being a pandemic year and making up some financial losses and right if that's the concern and your goal is to get ny6 you know and get the 25 million dollar payout that's the that's the that's the reason you wouldn't do it but you're right dude go all freaking in what's in front of you do whatever you can to get there man that's my motto what's my absolutely motto yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested to see where they go from here. So, yes. Well, let's wrap it up for this week. Any sponsors? Any shout-outs? Anything else we need to add? 
Uh, sponsor, yeah, the the Utah Jazz sponsored us with their City Edition black uniforms this year. <laughs> so the House Fire to- jersey. I call it the House yeah. Fire jersey because that is the color uh, palette of a house fire in the middle of January in Alaska. Did it, get, did it give it. you flashbacks, dude? No, I'm embracing that, you know. It's going <laughs> hey, to match my date? House Fire tattoo here. What's the date? What was the date of your House Fire? What, what day was January 8th, I want to say 8th. Um, so are we, I may have up to on, look that are we coming up on three years or four? Four years? years. Coming up on four years. It was wow. early 2017. It was, I think, exactly two weeks after Christmas. So if that math adds up, 25 plus 14. Yeah, uh, eighth, ninth. Yeah, I think it was January 8th. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah, man, that's, that's, uh, well, I mean, that's not something to celebrate, obviously, but it's definitely a milestone where you can look and see how far you've come and how your life is so much different now than it was then, right? Yeah, you know, and it's fine. We celebrate it because I, I really I love it. It it was uh, it gained it gave us perspective. It helped me teach my kids a lesson that you that you can't really teach them in any other way of the yeah. value of people versus the value of things. And so I embrace it. In fact, a couple months after it happened, my daughter who is now seven, so she was an adorable little three year old at the time. We created a fire playlist on Spotify. Every song that had to do with fire. And we would dance in the kitchen together, you know, and because that's, I mean, our video, our Xbox is destroyed. All our stuff is gone. So it's nothing to do. Let's dance in the kitchen to fire songs. And it was funny because we're doing that for a while. And then I was showing her a video. I was like, you remember the house fire? And I showed her like, I think I have 17 seconds total footage of it happening. I was like, watch this. And she got so depressed. It was so sad. She just got super sad about it. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. Look, we're having fun. But no, I, I think we have all healed and then some from it it's it's not a big deal anymore let me ask you it's kind of a superficial question of your two houses that you've lived in there which house do you like better the one you live in now or the one that's up in smoke oh man i don't it's i don't know if i ever really told you about that house it was huge from the outside it looked like we were in a mansion you know i mean it was enormous and we were just renting it we didn't own that house and we were renting most of the house. The reason it was so big is it was owned by a contractor who wanted those 25-foot high ceilings in the shop so he could keep doing some construction projects in there. So we lived in the section off to one side and then this really awesome, super huge playroom above the garage. So the area we were renting was like separated. It was like two different areas, but it was beautiful. It was a gorgeous house. And we had dreams. We hadn't lived there for very long. And we said, we're going to buy this house. So we told him, yeah, we'll rent it for a couple years. Once things get going, I'm going to buy it from you. And he's like, all right. And we had all these dreams of all the different stuff. Like we could have put a track. We could have done batting cages, a full-size basketball oh. court. Like we could have done so many things with it. Um, um, so we, we love that one, but that being said, it would have been, um, it's just not really practical. I'm not a contractor. I don't need to pay to heat yeah. that much empty space with those huge ceilings. And so he's actually just finishing the house up the, the rebuild on that same property. And we're kind of back and forth on, oh, it'd be so cool to live there again, but oh, I mean, really? it's, wow. uh, it's about double the price of what we're in now and what we're in now is just fine. So it's, I think we're going to pass and say, that money will be better put other places, but who knows? I mean, it's really appealing. It's a beautiful home. Did he rebuild it just like it was 
the same layout or it was no it's still pretty big and spacious but it's more practical you know i mean it's got a sweet garage with like benches everywhere which i'm i'm handy enough that i would appreciate some workbenches in the garage uh but it's it's definitely no i mean he had the the one that burned down he had this wall with just these shelves like you, you picture when you go at the end of ikea and get your stuff down like the side of the garage looked like that there was just these huge shelves full of every tool you could ever imagine and all kinds of stuff i mean it was like like a handyman's paradise in there in fact anytime we had a delivery and people would walk in they'd be like whoa what is this and they'd like they would just like like a man a guy's guy a carpenter that kind of a guy they'd walk in and just be like this is heaven i mean it was it was a cool spot but i i don't really need that you know but it I don't know. It, it would be a nice house, so we're La- we're thinking last about question. it. Last question: How yeah. uh, how far is it from your current house? Would you like? Would it be like a? I mean, you wouldn't be in a different ward because there's only one ward up there, right? Would no, it it's be, a or? it's about two hundred yards. I think there is two houses in between where we live now and where we oh, live. Oh, really? That <laughs> yeah. close? Huh? Yeah, Dude. and that was that was the beauty of this. Here's the funny thing too. I would always go on walks and I would take pictures with my phone of like, look at this flower, the sunset, whatever. I was walking down the street, so this is just around the corner before the house fire, and I saw this white house with a red door and these pillars on the porch, and I was like, man, that is one of the more beautiful houses in this neighborhood. And I started like like a creeper. I'm like hiding in the bushes, trying to frame with these trees this beautiful shot of just this pretty home. Well, that's the home we're in now. You know, oh, like cool. I was doing this photo shoot of someone else's house that ended up coming on the market when we were looking, and the moment I saw it, I just saw the picture, and I was like, I know that house. That's the one we want to buy. And so we made an offer within two days, and we were the second offer still. It was it took a little bit of effort, but uh, but we got there. Cool. So, yeah. Well, that was a fun walk down memory lane, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was. All right. It well, was. we appreciate we appreciate all of our dear loyal fans and listeners. Sorry we couldn't get to your uh, eons of questions <laughs> from the mailbag. We'll we'll address those next week. Yes. Who knows what the world will look like next week? Holy cow! I have a feeling a lot's going to change between now and next week. Let's, we'll we'll yeah, catch up on all that. I'll do my long-awaited Sagarin strength of schedule update breakdown next week. So tune in. Until then, okay. I am Benji. I am also Ellis. Go Cougs. Go Utes.